0: Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer podcast. This is Rob Phillips.
1: I'm Molly Bay.
0: Today is May 20th, 2019. Who cares how many days it is to kick off? Big news. This show is going to be dedicated to one thing and one thing only:
1: Gerald McCoy.
0: Gerald McCoy is no longer a Tampa Bay Buccaneer.
1: He and the team apparently mutually decided to part ways.
0: Well, that's what the team said, anyhow. We'll see what McCoy has to say probably tomorrow. <laughs> I haven't seen anything, any replies that he's had.
1: He won't be off social media much longer. He's been pretty quiet for the last few months, and I'm sure it's driving him crazy. So
0: It's going to be interesting to see who, if anybody picks him up, how he much they pay for him. He becomes a free
1: agent at 4 o'clock tomorrow.
0: That's when we'll find out. Uh, there's speculation he could go to the Colts because they have so much cap room, but who knows. There is rumors that... We are pursuing Damakensu to take his place.
1: Which that's been reported by Greg Allman, J.C. Cornell, who's connected to the Arians family. Pewter Report is also reporting it.
0: That, to me, is fascinating. Because if we get Damakensu, he's going to cost us almost as much as Gerald McCoy. We might get him for a little bit less, maybe a couple million less. But that will be a huge megaphone shout that we didn't get rid of McCoy because of his cap space. We got rid of McCoy because of his attitude. We are trying to have an attitude adjustment with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially on defense. It appears getting the could sue would be a huge signal. And I think it would just be really, really fascinating.
1: We talked yesterday and in the podcast before that about Bruce Arians sending a message to Gerald McCoy through the media, and Gerald McCoy did not take that well. And I, I think that could have been the death knell for him. I think that may have had more to do with his release than anything. Now, not to mention that last season, you know, he's always been touted as the leader of the defense, and then he's not even voted captain.
0: Yes, that was very, very telling last year. You know, we got— he's. We got JPP in last year who got paid more than him. That's the first defensive player, I'm pretty sure, that's been paid more than McCoy since McCoy's been here. I'm not sure D- Daryl Revis might have I- gotten paid more for that one year.
1: Maybe. We'll have to fact check that.
0: Yes. In 2013, Daryl Revis got paid $16 million. Daryl McCoy got paid $11 million. But that was the first time and the last time until last year, that Jerry McCoy hasn't been the highest-paid player on the defense. Now, normally he's been the highest-paid player on the team total up until, I think, Mike Evans last year. And then to not be voted as a captain. You know, that's the team that does that. The team's the one that votes for captains.
1: I'm surprised that wasn't a bigger deal when it happened. Everyone just kind of downplayed it. It's not really a big deal. He's letting the new guys come in and take over the leadership of the team.
0: Well, there's been... A lot of that that's happened since Gerald McCoy has been on this team. Everybody kind of downplays a lot of things with him. I'm going to say this. Gerald McCoy has a lot of fans. And for all you fans that are upset about Gerald McCoy leaving the team, I'm here to, one, make you feel a little bit better about the situation as far as the team goes. And two, I'm probably going to piss you off because I think this is the best move the Buccaneers could have done they should have done this many, many years ago. After the 2011 debacle, I wanted everybody on the team taken out. And the only ones left were Gerald McCoy and DeMar Dotson. Now with Gerald McCoy gone, that leaves DeMar Dotson. I'm not too worried about him because he's not much of a leader or anything of that nature. Gerald McCoy stepped into that role, or at least vocally said he was going to step into that role. But we will be a better team without Gerald McCoy. I guarantee T- it. I do not like talking bad about players while they're on our team.
1: Which is why we haven't really said much before now.
0: I'm not a big fan of calling for people to be fired or anything of that nature. But Molly will tell you, while I sit here and I watch film, I get so aggravated watching Gerald McCoy. Because yes, while he is talented, I will not. I'm not going to say he sucks.
1: He's good. Probably above average.
0: He's basically got... One move, and it's his speed, or, or one quality, and it's his speed. Other than that, he really doesn't contribute much on the field. Now It's a
1: liability sometimes as well, because he gets a lot of penalties.
0: Very, very big liability on the field. And this is one of the things that really pisses me off about uh, the media and the announcers and the way he's been handled, is they always show his highlights. They'll show a sack...
1: They always call him six-time Pro Bowler. They
0: always All bring it Yes. Which, you know, he earned it. I guess you can't take it away from him, but that has nothing to do with the team. But they never show his lowlights. And trust me when I say Gerald McCoy has a lot of lowlights. His negative plays far outweighed his positive plays. And I think Bruce Arians saw that. You know, Bruce Arians is a film guru. He loves it. And also, Bruce Arians is the only coach that has come in here with enough clout to get rid of Gerald McCoy. You know, it reminds me of the Dallas Cowboys. I think it was when they they sold it to Jerry Jones.
1: And the old owners sold it to him on the condition that he got rid of Tom Landry.
0: Yes, that he fired Tom Landry because he couldn't fire Tom Landry. And... I kind of feel like this is the same thing. I mean, you had – first you had Raheem Morris come in, and, you know, they drafted McCoy. Uh, They wanted Sue, but they ended up getting McCoy. And Raheem had his own issues to deal with. He was a new head coach and all that. So, you know, he didn't have as much clout to begin with as Gerald McCoy did. And then we get rid of him after that 2011 debacle where the team just totally quit on him. And then we get Greg Ciano. Greg Schiano was a last-minute hire. He came in. Immediately, the media hated him. And Jerry McCoy was, at the same time, touted as the face of the franchise. Now, this is after two years of being hurt and... Not really contributing a whole lot to the team. And then all of a sudden, he's just lifted up as the face of the franchise.
1: He didn't earn it. And I think the reason was image. That yes. the Buccaneers yes. under Raheem had an image had of a, being partiers. a
0: horrible image.
1: Yeah. I mean, you had Akeem Tlaib. Raheem Morris is going to strip clubs with the players. Um, Josh Freeman Josh is doing Freeman. good,
0: Lord. You know, not showing up for practices. He's, you know, doing drugs. He's alienating all of his teammates.
1: So I think that they put Gerald McCoy forward as a leader, not because of his reputation or what he had done for the team, but just they had a PR problem that they had to fix.
0: Right. And Gerald McCoy, no matter what you say about the guy, he's, he's excellent at PR. And, you know, he is what the NFL wants in football players. He's clean cut. He speaks well. He stays out of trouble. He's a family man. All those things are commendable.
1: He's he's Christian, so his faith is really important to him.
0: Right, but that does not make you a good football player, and it does not make you a good teammate. And therein lies the problem. I do not think he was a good teammate, and I do not think he was that great of a football player. I am in the same camp as Ian Beckles, that he is one of the most overrated players ever in the history of the NFL. The way he was touted, I mean, this guy was on Colbert Report. He was on uh, the, The League. You know, he's been on the NFL AM, NFL Network, Inside Training Camp, NFL Total Access. I mean, he's just, he's in the media a lot. And he gets touted by the media a great deal. They're always talking about how he's double teamed. You know, like, but he's a defensive tackle. They get double teamed. He gets double teamed no more than any other defensive tackle in the league. Jerry McCoy had the world's most powerful marketing team behind him, Creative Artists Association. He had Tom Corden as his manager. And these are the same people that handle Tom Hanks, all the big stars. They handle a lot of big football players, too. Peyton Manning was one of them. But they're very, very gifted and good at marketing and Jerry McCoy was perfect for them and he did a lot of marketing for himself but again that does not make for a good player or a good football team now one of the things I'll say about Jerry McCoy as a football player I was I was touching on this earlier he's got he's very quick he's light on his feet but he's not strong and he would get pushed out of the way 10 15 yards out of the way of the play All the time. I have literally hundreds of video clips of Gerald McCoy getting pushed out of the way. You know, getting completely moved out of the play. If he didn't get to the quarterback quickly, he was basically useless.
1: And Ian Beckles touched on this in one of his podcasts that the media made up a word for Gerald McCoy disruptive, but he never saw it on the field. And I think Ralph is in that camp as well.
0: Yes, now he would get in the backfield, and he would might make the running back move to the left a little bit or whatever, but it wasn't like he was blowing up plays and stopping the plays. You know, they were basically just going around him if he got in the backfield, and that was it. If you look at his tackling stats, they're really quite atrocious, especially if you compare them to the Dominican Sioux. You know, and defensive tackles, you know, tackling is kind of a thing. It's
1: Well, they're supposed to be the run stoppers, right? That's what everybody says about McCoy. Oh, he's got fifty-four and a half sacks, which is impressive for defensive tackles because sacks aren't really a good measure of their caliber as a defensive tackle.
0: Yes, and that's true. I mean defensive tackles aren't really supposed to be the sack guys. But if you look at Gerald McCoy's sacks, they're not distinguishable at all. He rarely had sacks in late quarters of games. He never had sacks in important parts of games. I mean, I can think of maybe one, maybe two, you know, where he got to the quarterback when it mattered. But generally, it was first quarter, second quarter, first down, second down.
1: Or garbage time.
0: Or garbage time, yes. Yeah, like with game against the Buffalo Bills when he had one of his few multi-sack games. Heck, even in that, I think the whole defense had seven sacks. I want to say Daryl Revis had two sacks.
1: Didn't we play against Atlanta? There was one against Atlanta like that, too? Yes, there
0: was one against Atlanta. That was Darrell McCoy's biggest sack. They had three sacks. But, and this is another big thing, it was up against a guy who was absolutely horrible. All three sacks were against the same guy. Uh, The right guard, I can't remember his name, but if you search his name in Google... The first thing that pops up is so-and-so sucks. Atlanta hated him because he was just horrible. So anyhow, once they took that guy out of the lineup and put another player in, Gerald McCoy didn't get any more sacks that game. One of the things I've always said about Gerald McCoy, or I've always said to Molly about Gerald McCoy, is he does not play well at all against high competition. When he goes up against really good linemen, you don't hear from him. He disappears.
1: A good measure of that was who was it? Jeremy Zuda that went to go play for the Ravens?
0: Yes, when Jeremy Zuda played, they came and played at Buccaneers, and Jeremy Zuda and McCoy went up against each other quite a bit. And Jeremy Zuda just basically tossed Gerald McCoy around like a ragdoll. Just
1: trounced him. There was
0: one play where he knocked Gerald McCoy off his feet and a good ten yards back. That was also the game where Gerald McCoy was helping a bunch of players up, too. And that's when everybody really got upset. Now, I want to touch on that as well, too. People said, Gerald McCoy, it's okay for Gerald McCoy to to help his opponents up. He's just being a nice guy and all that. I agree with that. That's fine if you're the one that knocks him down. But if you go back and you're watching that Baltimore Ravens game, he was helping guys up that he didn't knock down. And he was helping guys up on the Ravens team while Buccaneers guys were still laying on the ground. It was a very, very strange thing. I don't know what was going on in his mind. I really, I really felt like he was getting his butt whooped so bad that he was trying to appease them and say, stop hurting me. I'm a nice guy.
1: Go easy on me, you guys.
0: That's how I felt in that game. And that's the game also that Flacco set a record for what he, what he scored four touchdowns in the first first half. I think it might have been about five. I can't remember. They just beat the heck out of us. But all you McCoy fans, I understand where you're coming from. I really do. But don't fret. McCoy will probably go to somewhere else and we'll actually see if Daryl McCoy is the player everybody thinks he is. But I'm going to tell you... As far as the Buccaneers are concerned, if you're still a Buccaneer fan, this is a good, good thing. I know people don't want to hear me say that, but mark my words, our defense is going to be so much better without Gerald McCoy there. I mean, you got to look at, since he's been on the team, our defense has sucked. He's only played on two winning games. Teams.
1: And we've changed everything from top to bottom. We've we changed
0: coaches, coordinators, everybody on the defensive personal, line. Personal
1: exactly. And it was always oh, he's never had any help.
0: He had help last year. He He had help last
1: year. But even before that, we had players that didn't didn't cost as much money, but they were just as productive, if not more productive. And they got no attention. They got nothing but blame. We went out and got Clinton McDonald, who was decent.
0: Yes, more than decent, above average.
1: I mean, there were so many. Adrian Claiborne.
0: Right. He went and won a Super Bowl.
1: I liked him when he was here.
0: Been in two Super Bowls, one, one of them.
1: Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett,
0: Super Bowl winner, you know. And Gerald McCoy has never gone to the playoffs. It's just amazing to me. But there's, a, there's much, much, much we could say about this. But what I want to do is really, I know I'm pissing a lot of people off that are Gerald McCoy fans, but that's how I am. I do not like to call for players to be fired or whatever while they're on the team. I'm just not a fan of that. I think that, you know, when you're a fan, you support your players. I didn't have a problem kind of calling Gerald McCoy out, but it's hard to do because when you call Gerald McCoy out for bad play or whatever, you just get attacked, attacked, attacked by not only fans, but the media. But now that he's not on the team anymore, I kind of feel uh, good about saying what I think. Molly, what do you think?
1: You know, the, the part that really turned me off to Gerald McCoy was when Levante David had a really productive season, I think one of his best seasons, and Gerald McCoy was asked about it in the media, and his response was, yeah, I get double teamed so often, so he's able to go in there and get a lot of sacks. If I were Levante David, that would piss me off, because he's essentially taking credit for David's success.
0: Oh yeah, it was it was it was mildly infuriating for me too. Uh, we need to get that clip and play it. But the, that's one of the things that you know. When I say that Gerald McCoy being gone off the team is going to be better for the team, I'm not talking about his play as much as I am about the way he affects the team. Like I said, he's been you know paid extremely well, and he's gotten. All the attention. I mean, he gets all, all the credit
1: all and none of the blame.
0: Yes, he gets all the credit. I remember during a Cleveland Browns game a few years ago, he got a sack and they played it over and over and they were talking about it. And uh, Clinton McDonald got a sack right after that. They didn't even mention his name. They didn't mention, they were still talking about Gerald McCoy. And then Clinton McDonald went and got an interception a couple plays later. It was a a fantastic play. I mean, he literally knocked this guy off his feet, and then he ran down the field and caught a tipped pass. The announcers didn't say a word about it. They didn't even replay it. But Gerald McCoy gets all the attention for whatever he does, anything he does. And he gets the attention when the team does something. It's Gerald McCoy. Now, I understand why the NFL does that. Because, like I said, they want to push Gerald McCoy as, you know, the new basically face of the NFL. But could you imagine what it it feels like being on a team with a guy like that that just sucks all the achievement right out of the room? Mm -hmm. You know, he's making all the money. And he's getting all the attention. What incentive do you have to play good if you're going to play good and Gerald McCoy is going to get all the attention for it and all the money? i think about wherever you work. You know, there's one person there that gets more credit than they deserve. You know, there's somebody there at the job that you know they fart off, but they you know the boss thinks are great, or you know they get paid a lot of money, and you sit there and you go, I could do that. Anybody that watches Gerald McCoy's film, you know, and I'm not talking about looking at his highlights. I'm talking about watch a whole complete game, watch a whole complete season of Gerald McCoy film. You're going to look and you're going to go, well, that's not that great. And these guys see that, but yet they see him get all the accolades, all the money, all the attention. And like I said, you know, Clint McDonald does great, doesn't even get a mention. He doesn't even get a replay. Most people didn't even know his name while he was on the team. Same thing happened with Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett was on the team and he was playing lights out. Nobody really knew who he was until he got sent to Seattle Mm -hmm. because Gerald McCoy took up all the attention. And I think that it makes players resentful.
1: Absolutely. And it's such a bad example when McCoy is on the field. I don't think that he plays to his true potential, which I think is what... Arians was kind of getting at when he called him out in the media. He wanted him to play as hard as he's ever played. But so you see a coworker who's not working nearly as hard as anybody else and it doesn't matter. Nobody calls him out for it.
0: Right. That's a, that's a huge thing. Nobody ever, ever, ever criticizes Gerald McCoy. Well,
1: if you do, you get blocked on Twitter and you get a bunch of hate mail from people.
0: Yes, and then the media also comes after you.
1: Which I did not get that in the last few weeks. Rick Stroud and Tom Metrics with the Tampa Bay Times, I think that they have an in with Gerald McCoy. Oh, most definitely. But they were not just reporting on what was going on. They were actively defending Gerald McCoy from fans' criticism. That is not your role as the media. It's not your place. Not your job. But they were just incessant, and they've done it since he's been here. The only one who mildly criticizes him is Pewter Report, and they were blocked by McCoy. Joe Bucks fan kisses his ass, Rick Strouda. I mean, they all do.
0: Yes, it was the 2014 week, uh, I'm not sure what week it was, against Cleveland. Here, I've got this written down. In The second quarter at 7.02, Spence had a TFL on the center, okay. This is the same center. He was a. <laughs> this was his first game with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he was was brought in because uh, they their center got injured. It was a long story. Anyhow, the guy was really out of position a lot, and so our defensive line took advantage of him. So Spence had a tackle for a loss on him, and then the fourth quarter, eleven thirty seven, uh, Clinton McDonald had an interception. Now, McCoy was not even in that play. Uh, In the first quarter, McDonald had a tackle for a loss on that center as well. And then in the first quarter, a minute later, McCoy had a sack on that center. That's the same center that Spence and McDonald both were able to get good plays on. Now, this center was a scrub that had only had one game with the Cleveland Browns before that. But McCoy just got all the praise from the announcers. He got articles written about him because of this game and that play in particular. Uh, I think it was Bucks Nation. Yes. BucksNation.com. Philippe Sanders wrote a huge article on it. Uh, Reddit made GIFs of the the sack. Uh, McCoy even said, after the game, he said, everybody's frustrated, but I don't think anybody's upset enough with losing. But nobody pointed out, Spence plays and McDonald's plays, that they both had excellent games. Actually, better games than McCoy did. But yet McCoy gets all the praise for it. And that just happened all the time. Here's another example of McCoy's non-criticism. In 2013, nobody knows this. In 2013, Gerald McCoy led the team in penalties.
1: I believe it.
0: He had 10 penalties nobody ever pointed that out now this was also the same year that everybody was freaking out because we were one of the most penalized teams in the nfl but yet nobody would point the finger at Gerald mccoy nobody
1: now that you say that i remember that it was under Siano's team right it yes was, everyone was like oh we're so undisciplined we're
0: so undisciplined right who was undisciplined there Gerald mccoy but yet nobody pointed to Gerald McCoy as the problem. He had 91 yards lost on penalties that year. Ooh. He only had 72 yards lost on tackles and sacks. Wow. So he cost us 20 yards that year, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, there's just so much, so much. And and I'll, we'll probably do more videos on this, but we wanted to get on here right away and get the news out that Gerald McCoy was no longer with the team and try to kind of make everybody else feel a little bit better. You know, this is not the end of the world. As a matter of fact, this is the beginning of something really good at Tampa Bay.
1: Well, and maybe we'll see for certain. He can go to another team and see how he does there. And the Buccaneers can move on and go on without him. And we'll see how they perform. I think it'll be really telling at the end of next season, whether this was a good thing or a bad thing.
0: Yes, if we get in Dominic and Sue, that man, that's going to be so crazy. Uh, I just don't see it happening, but hey, now that everybody's bringing it up, I mean, we joked about it in the podcast. Was it last podcast? It some podcast where we talking about Jeremy McCoy leaving and what would happen if we got Sue. I tell you what, I will say this in a little bit of prognostication. If we get Sue, we're going to the playoffs. No doubt in my mind. No questions asked. And that will show you how much Daryl McCoy was keeping us back.
1: Or it just proves that one player can have an impact.
0: Both negatively and positively.
1: Exactly. You got any ideas where he'll go? I've heard that he's wanted to go to New Orleans. You know, he works out with Drew Brees in the offseason, which that bothers me too. He's done that for like eight years or something, which is just insane to me.
0: <laughs> no. Going and hanging out with the enemy.
1: I mean, I get that they're all professional and it's a business and all that. But younger competitors, I mean, any advantage you're going to get from working out with them, they're going to get it too. And if I think Drew Brees is a stronger competitive than Gerald McCoy. I think Gerald oh, McCoy is out there like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to have some fun. And <laughs> Drew Brees is out there like, I'm going to learn how to beat this dude. Is
0: that how he talks? That's exactly how he
1: talks. And Drew Brees is what, like 9-2 and two against Gerald McCoy?
0: Yeah. You mean like record-wise? Yeah.
1: They've matched up. That many, that's the record every time that they've matched up. In fact, when he made his Instagram video, he was in New Orleans.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: Trevor Sike- Sikema? Sikema? I'm going to learn how to pronounce his name one day. If you know how to pronounce his name, please tweet it at me. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, Tampa Bay Trey, tweeted today right after that news that a lot was going to come out about McCoy's tenure with the Bucks now that he's left the team, which I'm very curious about that. Yes. Especially because of what you said. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the issue with the 2011 team. Oh, no, I'm quite positive,
0: down. yeah. I want to know that so bad. You know, not only what happened to the to the team, but how much of it was Gerald McCoy. Because here it is, you're looking at a whole party team. You know, like we said, we had uh
1: a keep to leave a keep to Nara leave,
0: Garrett Blunt, Jackson, uh Josh Freeman. I mean, these guys were serious, serious partiers. And we're talking drugs, strip clubs, all that good stuff. And then you had Gerald McCoy, who, you know, he's Christian and family man and all that stuff. There had to have been a confrontation going on, you know, some type of conflict between those that group. But back to you and... Drew Brees, go back and look at how many times, and when we talk about Daryl McCoy and sacks, how many times he's sacked quarterbacks in our division. I think you'll be quite surprised.
1: You would think the numbers would be pretty good, given that you match up against him twice a year.
0: Right, but it's pretty much the exact opposite. He gets more sacks out of the division than he does in the division.
1: They got his number. That would be my guess.
0: Peter Contz was the name of the center, with Atlanta Falcons that Gerald McCoy got the three sacks on. That's Peter K-O-N-Z. I've
1: never heard of him.
0: Yeah. I thought it was Koontz, but it's Peter Konz. But if you look him up, you'll see the Atlanta Falcons fans just, they couldn't stand him. He was just horrible. But that's one of the things with Gerald McCoy, as I said earlier, he did not play well against top-tier offensive linemen. Uh, New England Patriots, New Orleans Saints, Teams such as that. Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys. I mean, go back and watch the game last year that we played. Daryl McCoy didn't do nothing.
1: Did he play in that game?
0: I don't remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he had some injury problems last season.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing where Sue beats Gerald McCoy. You know, Sue does not get injured. Sue is no, he's only missed two games in his whole career. Wow. And those have both been due to suspensions. <laughs> he does not get hurt. I tell you. I remember in, I think it was 2014 when we were playing the NFC West when they were the powerhouse division. We're talking about mm. uh, the the Seahawks were the top team in the league. Uh, the Cardinals was with the Arians was there. It might've been the year they went 13 and three. The Rams were kicking butt and the 49ers had Copernic and all those guys. I mean, the, the, they were the powerhouse division at this time. And, Lucky us, we got to play them that year. And this was Shiano's first or second year. I think it was the second year. And we played the Seattle Seahawks at Seattle. And we played them so hard, we took them the overtime.
1: Oh, I remember that one.
0: Yes. And we had them beat. I mean, we had them beat and on the ground. They were huffing and puffing and, and all that good stuff. And Gerald McCoy left the game in overtime. I, I remember sitting there watching TV and going, oh, What am I watching here? I don't care if my arm was broke. I would want to play. And he had, I don't know, he had like a twisted ankle or something. But anyhow, he never missed any time. That was my point. He just
1: left the game. He just
0: left the game. He actually got carted off the field on a cart. And I remember he he looked over at the Seattle sideline or the defense or whoever was on the field, whatever. He looked at some Seattle players and did his shoulders up, like shrugged, like, man, I can't believe you guys did this to me. Something like that. But I remember watching that game and thinking, why in the That's not championship material right there. You know, I mean, unless you're, you know, I, I was thinking, I, this guy, he must have really broke his ankle. You do not leave in overtime against one of the best teams in the division at their house and your team has been kicking butt.
1: And, and to be carted off the field and nothing's wrong with you.
0: He did that quite a bit where he would, you know, the trainers would have come out, take him off the field, and then you come back a couple plays later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it happened quite a bit with but it well, it doesn't happen with Sue. Sue just doesn't leave the field. So if we do get Sue, we can expect him to be out there for sixteen games. I think Gerald McCoy has only played sixteen games once or twice. If I the calculations I did a while back, he was he Gerald McCoy had missed twenty five or thirty percent of all games. I can't wow. remember. Wow. Yeah. But that, a lot of that was because of two thousand eleven he missed ten games, I think it was. Right. Was a torn Well, bicep. he had
1: two years in a row where he tore his bicep. Yeah, his
0: first two years because of that reaching out, trying to arm tackle people.
1: Right. Well, if nothing else, Sue is durable. And we learned from the Donovan Smith re-signing that durability <laughs> is absolutely an admirable attribute.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm going to say that to all you Gerald McCoy fans. I've been saying this since we've signed Donovan Smith. If you're mad, you got... Jerry McCoy, cut from the team, blamed Donovan Smith because he took all his money. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that you always say about championship guys is they make the players around them better. You can't say that about Jerry McCoy. I can't think of anybody that's been on the team that you can say they were better because they played with Jerry McCoy. Uh, Another thing that they say about championships caliber people is they step up. They make big plays in big games. Jeremiah McCoy never did that. Nobody can point to a play, which is one play that Jeremiah McCoy ever did, that was a game changer.
1: I talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, but I said we couldn't bring up Jeremiah McCoy without talking about JPP. And so I'm going to do that right now. (laughs) We had never really seen that before JPP came on the team. At least I hadn't. I've been a fan for 10 years. Um, But... JPP did that a number of times, where he showed up. He got us a stop when we needed it. Yes, you know.
0: Yes, quite a few times actually. And JPP played hurt. I mean, he he played. He was out there hurt
1: with three fingers on one hand, <laughs> half a hand. In any case, it can be done. It doesn't. You don't have to have help on the line to do it.
0: No, I. You know, I think back with Warren Sapp. I mean, Warren Sapp had uh, Marcus Jones, T.D. Ahanatu, Brad Culpepper, guys like that on, a, on the, the defense. And, you know, nobody's saying, hey, these guys are what made Warren Sapp better, you know, although, you know, they, most of them had, they all had more sacks than Jeremy McCoy did at one point or another. Not, again, not that defensive tackles are judged by sacks, but, you know, Warren Sapp didn't need, everybody on the defensive line to be Pro Bowl caliber players in order for him to be good, in order for the team to win. So I'm just here to say it. We are going to be a much better team now that Jarrell McCoy is gone. I think he was holding us back quite a bit, especially defensively.
1: We always heard about Quan Alexander, that he was kind of the energy of the defense, and that's where he was going to be missed the most. I think there's something to be said for low energy as well.
0: Mm, yes.
1: I mean, if you're just constantly sucking all the energy out or you're not working as hard or as motivated as the guys around you and they don't and they don't pull you up, you're just going to bring them down. If you have someone at your workplace again, <laughs> one of these analogies, that's just and I don't know if this is what McCoy was doing, but if they have a bad attitude and they're bitching all the time and they're Or just unmotivated. It makes you unmotivated. That's contagious. It's harder to overcome bad energy, negative energy, or even low energy than it is... It's just hard to come back from that. It would take a whole team, I think, to bring up one guy who's got low energy.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to get on that train that uh, this is a good thing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you're a Jared McCoy fan and you've made it this far... (laughs) Don't be despondent. You know, seriously, don't be despondent for the team. Uh, this is a good thing, and it's a good thing for Gerald McCoy too. You know, he needs to go somewhere where you know he can start over and you know, hopefully, get on with a team that's already got uh, championship caliber people. You know, we're talking about the Colts. You know, or some somewhere where they're they're not too far away from being a winner. Because I think his time at Tampa had just run out. You just can't be the leader of the defense the face of the franchise for so many years and have your unit be absolutely horrible during that whole period and expect people to continue to praise you for it. I mean...
1: I mean, we did for a long time. We made excuses for him for a long time. I think the excuses have just run out.
0: Yes, I think last year was pretty much the nail in the coffin of excuses for Jerry McCoy. And
1: he knew that at the end of the season, even before Dirk Hutter was fired, before we hired Arians. I mean, that last game in December, he made that statement in the locker room, whatever happens, happens. And I'm very grateful for my time here.
0: Yeah, he knew it was over. And it might have been him. He might be the one that doesn't want to play here anymore. Don't know.
1: Well, Trevor, Tampa Bay Trey, said it's all going to come out. So, we'll see.
0: Is Tampa Bay Trey Trevor Sekema? Yes. Sekima? Yes. Oh. Huh.
1: You never drew that connection? Nope. He changes Didn't. his name, his Twitter handle, or the display name. He changes it all the time.
0: Hmm. So, we're going to find out soon if we're going to get the Dominican Sioux. I don't know how likely that is, but I tell you what, it would be extremely fascinating. My prediction is, you know, we'll be a playoff town team if we get the Dominican Sioux. I think you really, you would really see a culture change here immediately.
1: Can I just say one more thing? Yes. We have a lot of young impressionable guys on the defense, not impressionable and you know naive or whatever, but football wise, they're inexperienced, and so they're going to look to the veterans on the team. Mm-hmm. What type of veteran do you want them learning from?
0: My, the Smash Mouth guy or the guy, the PR guy.
1: Right, that's having fun.
0: And that's lost his whole career.
1: Right. Food for thought. You know, and Jerome McCoy, I think, is going to be remembered fondly by a lot of Bucks fans. He's probably going to get into the ring of honor. He'll be missed by a lot of fans, probably some teammates. That's all I have to say.
0: <laughs> yeah. And again, I'm not saying that Gerald McCoy is a horrible person or that he's a horrible football player. But I am saying he was highly overrated. And I think he was more harmful than he was good in the locker room. So this is a good thing for the Buccaneers. If you're a fan of the Buccaneers, this is a good thing. If you're a fan of J.R. McCoy, follow him wherever he goes. That's going to wrap it up for us. We just wanted to get on here and let you know the news and our thoughts on it. Not doing anything fancy this time. Uh, We got another podcast I guess we'll do one tomorrow. No, no. Will this make it up for it? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I just barely well, got the
0: one out today. I, I know.
1: It. Well, we have OTAs tomorrow, and the media will be there. So there's yeah. probably going to be all kinds of stuff coming out, oh my especially gosh. with the McCoy stuff, and the media is going to have access to the team. So Woo-hoo.
0: it's football, baby. I know. Football.
1: <laughs> I think that we should probably do one tomorrow. All right. Again. Three days in a row. It'll make up for last week. We only we missed one day, so we then we have to do, one, we one day. I know. to do
0: three in a row. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Till next time.
1: Go, box.